That a powerful song, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you see them all and you still call me friend. What a powerful song that is. I'm sure you had a great time just worshiping the Lord, enjoying his presence this morning. And uh, I want to just welcome all of those of you who are watching online. I trust that the Lord has been ministering to you over the past few weeks uh, through, throughout this entire uh, season that we are in challenging, challenging season. I'm sure the Lord has been ministering to you through the different messages uh, where God has been speaking to you, where Pastor Stefan has been doing the series on more than meets the eye. And the other Sunday he spoke about uh, the dreaming a dream, getting a dream from God and how important it is to allow the Holy Spirit to drop different things into our lives, things beyond our own imagination, because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. So let God uh, paint upon the canvas of our imagination and uh, allow those dreams to come true, because when God gives you a dream, He wants it to come true. I'm sure you all so blessed by Jonathan as he began to share about faith before victory, how important it is for us to allow the Holy Spirit to develop faith in our lives, but we have got to do certain things. Like I shared before, there are certain things God will not do for you. And so in order to build our faith, He gives us very clear instructions that we must continually hear the Word of God. And I'm sure He shared with you about how He would listen to messages almost daily in order to build His faith, especially in challenging times like today. And so I began to do a series with you concerning prayer, because prayer is so powerful, so important important, how, how we need to bring the presence of God into our lives. Prayer is basically opening up an avenue, a channel through which God can come into our realm. So we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the whole thing about prayer. That's what prayer does. You know, sharing with our grandkids uh, just a little earlier this week, and I told them about the student. I'm sure, you know, you would have heard about the student who was taking his exams, and then finally, he, they were all supposed to hand in their papers. So one by one, as they came up, the professor said, now before I take your paper, there's another form that you must fill in to show us that you did not get help from any external source, right? So all the students began to take the form and fill it in. And at the back of it, there was this, this student who was a Christian, and he knew that he could not lie. So as he came up, he said, Professor, I've got to let you know that... Uh, I, I did seek external help. And professor said, what do you mean by this? He said, well, throughout the exam, he said, uh, uh, I, I was praying. I was asking God to really help me. And so I don't think I can honestly sign this paper. So the professor said, well, let, let me have a look at your uh, answers to the questions that, I, that was asked. And so the professor looked at all the questions and then he said to the boy, he said, son, you can sign this paper because God did not answer your prayer. All right. So now sometimes we feel like we are like that boy. It's like we, we've been praying throughout a certain thing, but then the answer did not come. That's why I've been talking to you about prayer, that in spite of all that you're going through, if you feel like you just don't qualify like Jacob and uh, you, you feel that you are so weak uh, in your spiritual life, I want you to know that God still listens to you. We talk about our struggling 
having faith. We talk about praying through our fears that we all battle these things. And uh, this morning, I'd like to talk about praying in challenging times, praying in challenging times, because that's that's the kind of times we are living in right now, uh, especially uh, this past few, this, this entire year, in fact, has been a very, very challenging year. And so I'd like us to go to a little text, just one, one whole sentence, but it spoke so much to me, just three words inside this sentence that really struck my heart. And, and I picked up a few lessons which I'd like to share with you this morning, all right? It's taken from Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 4, where the king is asking him a question. Here's the question the king is asking him. The king said to me, what is it you want? Isn't that a fantastic blank check to be given by a king? What is it you want? And this is where my text basically is. Then I prayed. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. So I'd like to talk about where we are faced with such challenging times. And God is asking us, or, you know, opportunities are shouting or screaming at us saying, what is it you really want? How are we going to respond when opportunities knock at our door and say, or dreams begin to say, what is it you really want? What's our response? Well, I learned a few lessons in this short little phrase. The first one is this, for prayer to begin, it must start with a burden. It must start with a burden. In chapter one, Nehemiah is in the palace. I mean, he is surrounded by beauty and grandeur. I mean, this is one of the greatest empires ever, the Medo-Persian army uh, 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 empire under Artaxerxes. So it's a tremendous, tremendous, this is the army that overthrew uh, the Babylonian empire. So it was a very powerful army, very rich in grandeur. And, and now Artaxerxes was there sitting on the throne in Babylon and uh, in the hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the seven early seven wonders of the world. And he's there and, and, and name Nehemiah is in that surrounding, and uh, but one of the Jews that come back from Jerusalem, now in those days they never had the media, uh, they didn't have any you know way of connecting with one another except when somebody came from a distant place, then you ask the person uh, what was happening. And so he asked him about Jerusalem and how Jerusalem was, and the man began to talk about the, fall, the fallen walls, talk about the destruction of the walls, about where the temple was at this uh, point of time. And, and, and it says this in Nehemiah chapter 1, when he heard these things, it says, when I heard these things, chapter 1 and verse 4, I, I sat down abruptly. I sat down. In other words, I just collapsed in my chair on the floor, crying and mourning for several days. And, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. That's his favorite uh, phrase for God. He, he constantly refers to God as the God of heaven. In other words, the God who is in absolute control. And that's a good place to start, you know, where we understand who our God is. In spite of all that's happening on the earth, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He who sits in the heavens rules, the Bible says. And we need to know that. That's why when Jesus taught us to pray, he says, our Father who art in heaven. Isn't that right? All right. To say that God, you are in absolute control. He who rules in the heavens rules upon the earth as complete authority over the earth. So he he's now so burdened with it that the burden begins to show on his face. I mean, Nehemiah is so consumed by this whole thing and 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 uh, it it 
it, it is seen on his face. He comes into the palace and the king says, you have never been sad in my presence before. What, what's troubling you? Then he begins to share his burden. But before this happens, uh, he's already burdened for several days. I mean, all he sees are the broken walls. He's living in grandeur. He's living with all these beautiful surroundings. But the thing that fills his heart, the thing that fills his mind, the thing that causes him to cry and to moan and to go into a period of fasting is the burden of the city of Jerusalem. It's God's dwelling place. That's the thing that's, uh, that's caused him to be uh, so moved with compassion, just like Jesus praying over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, he wept over the city. And it's the same kind of thing. You notice that there was such a great love to see God's people, God's uh, area, God's atmosphere, God's sphere uh, broken down. And one of the things that, that's affecting churches around the world today is the breaking down of the walls that seemingly have surrounded the church and kept it such a beautiful place. And people are beginning to now question whether they should go back to church and wondering whether if the church gathers back together, shall we come back to church? That should be the number one concern, all right? The number one concern is for uh, the dwelling place of God. Now, another concern that must burden your heart is for our land, our own land. Now, this is a burden that goes beyond our own needs. Instead of praying, you know, God, build me up. God, strengthen me, uh, use me, bless my economy. It must go beyond us and, and reach out to the uh, see a bigger picture. The whole land, Malaysia, actually needs much prayer. But we will not pray for this land. You know, we will, we will listen to the media. We will listen to everything else. And then we become so upset with all that is happening in our country. And prayer is on the back burner. It's, it's right back there instead of being right on the forefront. Uh, we have it way back there. And it's the, like the last resort. What can we do? Let's pray kind of thing. You know, so I, I, I pray that uh, this will become something that everyone can uh, begin to identify with. Before prayer can become, you know, a blessing, it must become a burden. When somebody begins to talk to you and tell you about their problem, uh, unless it is a burden, we will not pray like we are meant to pray. I mean, we can pray little simple prayers. Oh, Lord, please bless the person, uh, help the person, heal the person. But it's not really a burden. But, you know, when that's why when I say to you, if somebody is sick in the, in the church, we must look at that person as our family member. If someone that is close to you, because that's what the church is meant to be. Supposed to love one another with a fervent love, the Bible says. So carrying this prayer, we, we need to come in and say, God, please, we got to, we even have to spend time in fasting and prayer for an individual. The burden must be beyond us, our family, our business, you know, and, and all the things that surround me and my thing, all right, it must come out from beyond before prayer can become a tremendous burden blessing. It must become a burden of our soul. And because it burdened him, he went into a season of prayer. Amen. All right. So I pray that the Lord would burden your heart, maybe not so much for the whole nation, but maybe for an individual. We need to pray for Brother Richard Lim, who is going through a, a tremendous time of, uh, uh, it's a battle for him and for his entire family. And, and we understand it's, it's a struggle for them. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to see any of this happen to any of our own 
family members, let alone church members, you know, we don't want to see this happen. We want to pray that our church be a place where it's cancer free. And, uh, but it has affected one of us. And the Bible says, weep with those that weep, you know, and rejoice with those that rejoice. But at the same time, we must carry that burden with us. We got to pray uh, that things like this, when it affects somebody, it affects all of us. When one part of the body hurts, the entire body hurts, the Bible says. Amen. So I pray that prayer uh, would move out and become a real blessing. See, the constant prayer, bless me, bless me, bless me, God, is not going to get the blessing of God. But when we move out beyond ourselves, the blessing of the Lord will start to fall upon us. Okay. Number two, for prayer to be instant, it must be constant. See, when Nehemiah was asked the question, when opportunity knocked at his door, prayer immediately surfaced. Prayer immediately came out of his life. Almost Instantly it came out. But before prayer can come out instantly, it has to have a backing to it. In other words, I've got to be a prayer before I can pray well, before I will come up with a prayer. Sometimes, you know, you ask people like in a group and you say, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, would you would you please lead us in prayer? And the person almost immediately will say, oh, no, 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 la pastor, you pray. Or brother so-and-so, ask brother so-and-so to pray. And the reason is because we have not been constantly in prayer. And so as a result of which, when the time comes, we don't go back to it almost immediately. That, that would not be our first response, all right? Because we have not been doing it on a regular basis. Uh, I remember, you know, reading about this man. His name is Liu Chi Kung, who was 19 years old when he entered the very first Tchaikovsky competition where violinists, pianists, and cellists would come in to uh, compete as far as music was concerned. And so Liu Chi Kung was this young man who won the competition. He came in second. He came in second, but he was so good at it. And then eight years later, in 1966, he was arrested under the Cultural Revolution, and he was placed inside prison uh, for eight years, eight years in prison. And after spending eight years uh, of his life in prison, uh, when he came out, he he. He, he went on a tour, music tour, and he began to pray, play again. And as he played, people began to wonder, how is it? You know, they asked him, how is it? You, you were not given the liberty to practice on a piano, and yet you come out after eight years of not playing the piano, and you play it so well. How, how is this possible? And uh, Mr. Liu said, well, actually, for the past eight years, every free moment I had, I would play every music piece note for note, note for note. That's what he said. Because I always believed that I would be prepared. I wanted to be prepared for another presentation. I wanted to be prepared in case there was another concert that I had to attend to. And I could play within that concert. So I wanted my mind to be so prepared for it. So it is the constant practice. I, I read about Major James Nesmith, who, uh, who was not really, uh, who was a fighter pilot during the Vietnam War. And, uh, but he used to love to play golf. And his score was just 90, around 90, like that, you know. And, uh, but when he came out after eight years in prison as well, uh, when he came out after eight years, 
He went on to the golf course and he played below 72. The score was below 72. And so they said, how is it possible? I mean, you were in a Vietnamese prison. He was shot down and put in a Vietnamese prison and not very comfortable. Of course, you know that. And so no golf courses. But for eight years, he began to, he said, I practiced it daily. I would put the, the ball down on, on that tee. I would tee off and I would go on an 18 course golf course. Every day I would play an 18 hole golf course. I would see the ball fly. I would know how to hit it, how to stand, you know, everything uh, that a golfer would understand. But after eight years, he came out and he played a game that was far better than the game he used to play before he went into prison. How was that possible? It was only possible because he kept practicing and practicing and practicing. Have you ever wondered why David could write such beautiful psalms and, and which have become a tremendous blessing? Hundreds of songs have been written uh, out of David's psalms. How was this possible? It was only possible because it says in Psalm 119 and verse 164, he says, I stopped to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. I stopped to praise you seven times a day. I mean, in other words, my whole day has been filled with just God. I want to praise you for this. I want to praise you for that. Sometimes he just lies in the bed. He says, when I lie in my bed, he says, I meditate upon you day and night. When I'm lying on my bed, I meditate upon you. Then he looks at the stars and then he looks at all the wonders of God. And he says, but what is man that you are so mindful of him? I mean, David's whole life, even as a shepherd boy, was filled with the grandeur and greatness of God. That's why he could go out on the battlefield and talk about God. You notice nobody else talked about God. He talked about the size of the giant, but David's mind, his heart was filled with God. See, unless we make prayer our constant practice, when it comes time for us to do it, it's going to be difficult. Just like I find it a little bit difficult off and on to ride the bike. And all the guys that ride with me, Moses and, and, and David and Jonathan and Rinesh, when they come out with me, they all have to guard me because I'm so slow and so clumsy. And the reason is, uh, they, they, they tell me the reason why I ride like that is because I don't practice daily. I don't practice daily, but I want to be good in prayer. I want to be really good in prayer. And so prayer for it to come out instantly. If somebody were to say to me, would you please pray? It will come out instantly. No problem. Why? Because I am communing with God all of the time. For prayer to be instant, it has to be constant. Amen. For prayer, number three, to be a blessing, it has to be brief. It has to be brief. Amen. For prayer to begin, it has to start with a burden. For prayer to be instant, it has to be constant. For prayer to be a blessing, it has to be brief. It, it can be brief. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Sometimes we think that uh, uh, our prayers will be heard for many words that we speak. You know, sometimes we have to pray a long prayer. We begin to think, oh my goodness, you know, I need to pray like other people pray. Uh, I need to see God the way other people see God. I wish I could pray like them. And, and they pray beautiful prayers. And it's wonderful. Sometimes we need to spend long hours in prayer. And God leads us in that direction. Sometimes our prayer uh, can be just a, a few minutes. And, and we feel we have done, you know, something happens in our heart. We feel very satisfied, very peaceful. We arise and we go on. But sometimes the prayers can go on for a long time. Where God leads us from one person to another. From one situation to another. Pray for this 
pray for that. And then the Holy Spirit, who is our greatest helper in intercessory prayer, He comes and He assists us. And then we find we are led in speaking in tongues and praying in a, in a, in a heavenly language, praying to God, seeking Him. And it goes on for a very long period. But for prayer to be a blessing, it does not have to be long prayers. It can be brief. Okay? Because what happens is between the serving of the cup to the king and the king's question, the king asked him a question, what is it you really want? Without the king even realizing it, Nehemiah shoots up a prayer. I mean, it's like just I shoot an arrow very quickly into the heavens. Uh, th there's no time to really get down and say, hold on a minute, king. Let, let me just pray about this. I, I want to make sure I get the right words to say. I think it was more like, help me, God. Have you noticed the number of help me's and how God answers the help me's? I think about the Syrophoenician woman. When she comes in and she thinks she will be heard because she's got the secret formula to prayer. She has learned it from all the books that have been given to her. People have been teaching her on how to pray. And so she comes with this great phrase, Have mercy upon me, David, uh, Jesus, thou son of David. And then Jesus says, you know, it is not right for me. In fact, Jesus keeps silent for a while. Sometimes we get silent treatment. It's not a very nice thing when we get a silent treatment from God, is it? But still then, you know, we still go ahead and we continue to pray and we continue to seek him. And she kept on going after Jesus again and again. It says she kept on crying. Then Jesus stops and he says to his disciples, not to her, but to the disciples with earshot from where she's at. And she can hear what he's saying and he says, you know, it is not right for me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she hears this. And you know the story where she says, all right, Lord, let the crumbs fall off the table. She falls down and worships. It says this. She falls down and worships him. And she says, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We talked about struggling faith. What was the prayer of the man? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Short little powerful prayers short little powerful prayers now sometimes the short little powerful prayers are backed up in fact most of the time it's backed up by long time seeking after god long prayers for example elijah stands on the mountain calls down fire from heaven but he says he prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years no rain no dew how long did he pray we don't know but there were seasons of prayer that caused him to be able to stand and at that moment, he could utter a prayer that was short, brief, but the fire of God fell. So Nehemiah gives a brief prayer up to God. Give me wisdom. And then he speaks. The king does not even notice that there is a pause between his question and Nehemiah's answer. So th there is this little brief thing that, that comes up before the presence of God. We need to learn to pray these brief prayers before we make decisions. Would you, in a, in a boardroom or in a meeting where the person were to ask you something, do you ever think for a moment, hey, I can do this. God, help me. Give me the right word. Let me say the right thing. God, make this deal come true. I mean, the guy does not have to see you fold your hands, close your eyes, speak in tongues, shout hallelujah, raise your hands, whatever, before he answers. He can just listen to the cry of your heart. And this is the beautiful thing about God. This is the beautiful thing about God. God looks upon our heart. That's a wonderful thing. And we can just utter that prayer quickly in his presence. All right, number four. For prayer to be heard, it does not have to be loud. 
Now, some of the prayers in the Bible are very loud. For example, Bartimaeus. He's at the side of the road and he's crying out and the people says, be quiet, but he shouts out even more. We have preached on the crying in spite of the crowds. And sometimes things crowd our minds and so many thoughts are coming in and we've got to push. Prayer is forcing our way through the crowds like the woman with the issue of blood and, and touching the hem of his garment. Prayer is pressing in and sometimes we've got to cry even louder and louder to silence the voice of everything that's happening around us. And when those voices are silent, you know, they become silent and all you uh, uh, hear is, is your own voice reaching out to God. That's a wonderful thing to do. Of course, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, like even Jesus and, and Jonathan spoke about uh, belief before or faith, before victory. He talked about how Jesus stands outside there and he shouts, Lazarus, come forth. That, that's a loud voice. There are seasons of loudness. But, for prayer to be heard, it does not have to be loud. And Nehemiah, I don't think the king even saw Nehemiah's lips move. But, you know, there was a prayer that came up very, very quickly. And, and from the heart, it was a silent prayer. Have you ever thought about the Pharisee and the publican? And they are there and the publican is, is crying and he is saying, Oh God, you know, I thank God. God, I thank you. I'm not like that man over there. I mean, everybody in the temple can hear. A lot of people in the temple were praying before the altars. And, and here's this man. He's going on and on about how great he is and how, how he's such a blessing to God. And on the other side, there is this man. You could hardly hear him. He's down on his knees. He's got his head bowed down. And he's crying out in, in the silence and the brokenness of his heart. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me. That's all he's saying again and again. God, he, he feels so unworthy. And Jesus hears that prayer. A prayer that is so silent at the corner in a broken situation. He, he just cries out to God. And God says, that man goes back home. Jesus says, the man goes back home completely justified. Well, what a wonderful thing that is. Now, how many of you know about Hannah and how Hannah is at the temple and she's there at the altar and she's praying, but no sound is coming out of her. Just her lips moving and the priest uh, who is not used to silent prayers, so used to loud prayers. Right. That's, as pastors, we, we are not used to silent prayers. We, we like to pray loud, you know. And, uh, but what happens to Hannah is she receives a tremendous blessing. Her prayer is heard. E Eli said, you know, because you have been praying like this from your heart, God has heard your prayer. And, you know, it's strange because God uses Samuel uh, later on to, to, uh, to receive a message from God. And the message that Samuel receives later on is this. Samuel, don't look at people on the outward appearance, but because God does not look on the outward appearance, God looks upon the heart. It is to Samuel that God makes this revelation, which I'm so glad for, because I do know that God looks upon your heart. And he knows that during these challenging times, you know, God is just looking at the cries of our heart. Whatever you're going through, whether it's a financial situation, whether it's a sickness in your body or because somebody else is facing something and you feel burdened for that person. Listen, man, he's looking at your heart, not the vocabulary you use. I've said this umpteen times. God's not so interested in the words that come out of our mouth. He's more interested in what's happening deep down inside our heart. Sometimes we think that loudness uh, is a show of faith. I think sometimes loudness is a lack of faith. Have you seen people when they begin to uh, like, like, uh, 
pray over somebody sick and they shout or they cast out a demon, they shout more and more thinking that that will generate faith. Sometimes it's just a little quiet thing inside of our heart. I remember years ago when we were first pioneering and they brought this little boy, this young boy actually, uh, into the room and he had been going to the witch doctor, Bomo, and getting a love portion. I don't know whether it was number nine, but anyway, he got a love portion. He wanted the girl next door and he used that on the girl. And later on, the spirit wanted something from him because, you know, that's what the spirits do. But the boy refused to give in and so that he was possessed by this demon. And uh, he came, they brought him into the church. Somebody brought him into the church. They were in the prayer room. They were, we had, we had got some big guys in Port Clang, Panama in those days who worked in the port. And there were three of them who were literally big. I mean, they are big. I'm telling you, they, these guys are big. And uh, they were holding this guy down and they were screaming and they were yelling and they were doing all kinds of stuff. So I walked in and I, at that time, I want you to know I was, I was half the size I am right now, okay? And when I walked in, they said, Pastor, be very careful. He's very violent. And so I thought, you know, maybe the guy might hit me. I don't know anything about this. I just took my glasses and put it out. Then I just kept looking at him. And inside of my heart, they were saying, Pastor, be careful. I said, just let the boy go. And he was, you know, beginning to go backwards a little bit. And then he kept staring at me with those fierce eyes. And, uh, and, and inside my heart, I just said, as he walked towards me, I said, you know, you have come to challenge the servant of the Lord. Inside my heart, I, I just felt this rise up inside of me. Nobody saw what was happening. I said, you will bow before the servant of God. Uh, and not that I was any great, but it was like a challenge to the minister of God. And I said, you will bow before me. And very quietly, in, in the quietness of that moment, faith began to rise in my heart. And uh, we dealt with the boy. Now, the, the thing is this. Sometimes we think that if we shout... <laughs> You know, things are going to work, but very often it is in the silence of our heart. I remember this pastor uh, was asked by somebody else. He said, Pastor, we remember in your early days when you prayed, you used to pray so loud. And, uh, you know, it was, and, and you were so vehement in your prayers. And what happened now? It seems like you are, you are quiet down quite a lot. He says, well, he says, you know, when I was a boy, I used to think that thunder killed people. Whenever the thunder came, we'd run and hide because we thought thunder was dangerous. But what we failed to realize, it was the lightning that killed, the lightning that flashed, silent. The thunder came later, lightning killed. So I have learned to thunder less and lighten more. So I pray that we learn something from that one. Amen. That we would learn how to pray prayers in the silence of our hearts. I'm, I'm not saying we don't pray loudly or verbally. I speak in tongues quite a bit. I, I, I believe that's the main thing in my prayer life, praying in tongues and praying in tongues. You pray a bit louder, but not loud uh, where you wake the person next to you up. You begin to pray in the silence of your heart. You can pray to God. Amen. All right. Now, the last one that I'd like to share with you is for prayer to gain victories, it must be valued. For prayer to gain victories, it must be valued. What am I saying? Here is Nehemiah. These are challenging times for the nation of Israel. Very, very challenging times. He is safe and secure from all alarms. We sing that song. He is surrounded by beauty and splendor. He's got the best of the best around him. I mean, in today's day, he would be a multimillionaire surrounded by wealth and prosperous business. That's the position he was because he was the king's right-hand man. 
Tansri Dato, whatever, Tun. He, he had all the titles. He was the king's right-hand man. He was not just somebody who carried a cup. He was the most trusted person. He was the one that the king could share secrets with. And with all these privileges, Nehemiah valued prayer above everything else. He could have easily used this position when the king asked him, what is it you want? He could have easily just come out and said, well, king, this is what I really require. I'm sure you can help me out with this one. But instead of that, the first thing he did was, I got to talk to God about this first. I got to talk to God about this first. How, how is it with you when it comes to prayer? Do we really value it? See, we will never praise something if we do not value it. We talk about going to certain shops to eat. Why? We praise that shop. Why? Because we value the meal that we're going to have there. We talk about our car and, and, and this uh, car that we just bought, a car that I would really like to buy. You praise the car. Why? Because you value it. Whatever you value, you praise your children. As, as grandparents, we praise our grandchildren. Why? Because we value I reward my grandchildren. If they do well, I am saying, man, I, I really value the effort you put into your exams. I want to bless you. What you praise, you will prize. You will hold it with great value. So I pray that in the teachings that we have had together, it is not so that we can leave the place, leave a service with more information about prayer, but rather we would say, Lord, I thank you. I'm going to put this into practice. You see, it is not just the hearer of the word, but it is the doer that is justified. When we hear, we put it into practice. Whatever we hear, say, God, I'm going to practice. I'm going to try to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to try at least in, 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 with the little knowledge that I have. I'm just going to try to pray and talk to you and bring you down. Let heaven come down and glory fill your life. Amen. We want to touch heaven and change earth. So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you as it has to me. And I pray that uh, you would learn how to just respond as quickly as Nehemiah did. Then I prayed. The moment an opportunity is given, I prayed. When a certain situation comes up, I prayed. Whatever it happens throughout the day, I prayed. Practice makes perfect. And I pray that God would uh, continually encourage you in your prayer life. You may, uh, sometimes we, like I said, you know, we feel like uh, I can't sign the form because God didn't help me out with this one. But listen, he's going to help you out with the next one and the next one. And we've got to constantly pray because things will change. Amen? Because we are inviting God into the situation. So I trust that you have been blessed by this message. Let me just close in prayer and then I will bless you. Father, I'm so grateful to you for every opportunity you have given to us to be able to come together, maybe not physically, but even online. We are one in spirit, one in the church. Just want to thank you for every person that has been so faithful in attending, supporting, by just their attendance and their giving and everything that they are doing. Because they are doing this, I pray, God, that you would so enrich their lives with the messages that are being shared. Every message all through the week, the songs, everything that we are doing to, to build them up, to encourage them, to enrich them. I pray that this will all bring fruit 
in their lives. Commit them to you, Father. And now, Father, as we raise our hands to you, I ask that you would so bless your people and keep them, cause your face to shine upon them, be gracious unto them. Father, lift up your countenance upon them. Give them peace in all their homes and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, the blessed communion that the Holy Spirit offers through intimacy be yours in Jesus' name. Before I close, I just want to say thank you so much for your constant support financially towards the church. We're able to pay all our bills and everything is going so well because you have been so faithful in answering God's call upon your heart to support the ministry of our church. We want to say thank you so much. May God bless you richly. So have a great week all week. <laughs>